tonight, um, I'm going to just share with you some things about, some things that have to do with day to day. That's the title of my message tonight, day to day. How to live and operate day to day. When Jesus, when he was on the earth, that's what he was trying to get over to his disciples, how to live day to day, how to live in every situation and circumstance that you come up against, how to operate and live in that, in, in, in the fullness of God. And he was on them all the time about the, the things um, that would crop up in their lives or the challenge. Every, everything with Jesus was a challenge. You know, time and time and time again, he, he made comments. We're going to read a couple of them in a couple of stories tonight. And, and in his stories, he, uh, in his stories, he, time and time again, he would, he would challenge them. He would literally, it was a rebuke is what it was. It was a rebuke. And, and he would say things like, <clears throat> why don't you, why, why are you not exercising your faith in so many words, you know? Why is your faith so little? Why, why, why are things not developing at a quicker pace? You know why? Because he knew his time was limited. He didn't understand everything in the beginning of his three-year ministry, three and a half years that he was in ministry. He didn't understand everything, but as time went on, he began to understand what he was up against and what he was going to face. And, and it was like, okay, come on. Are you, why is it you're not operating in faith in this area right here? Because I'm going to be gone. You need to get it. Yeah. And, and you know why they needed to get it? They needed to get it because they needed to pass it on to the next generation, right? They needed to pass it on to the people that were going to be filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost and then the 500 and then the 5,000 and the thousands upon thousands upon thousands that, that have been born again and millions that have been born again ever since. So from the day that Jesus left here, it's been a duplication process. And in the three and a half years of ministry, in the 12 that he had and, and the 70 that were, that were still close to him, he needed them to get it. And at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, on the last day of him being on the planet, or the, the last day before his, before his crucifixion, they all forsook him. They all forsook him. Amen? I mean, every one of them forsook him. <clears throat> every one of them forsook him. In other words, every one of them let him down. Every single one of them. And all along for those three and a half years, he kept saying, are you getting it? Come on and get it. Come on, you've got to get this. Come on, you've got to get it. And what he was teaching them is just, just day-to-day stuff that they faced. Situations that arose. And um, if you're taking notes tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple, or a few things, more than a couple, just a few things to write down and to think about. Um, <clears throat> remember this in, in the two stories that I'm going to look at tonight. Remember this. To, to the degree that you are moved by circumstances, to the degree you're moved by circumstances, 
or that you observe circumstances versus the promises of God. To that degree will determine the degree of you being in a place to receive from God. So I'm going to say it like this. To the degree that you're moved by things that come against you, in other words, that will determine the degree of how you receive or you increase in life or you're victorious in life to that degree. So in other words, if you're constantly moved by natural circumstances, you're going to constantly be coming up on the short end of the stick. And that's not God's best for you and I. He doesn't want us coming up short. He wants us. He needs us. Actually, God needs us to be in faith and receiving all that He has for us. He needs us to be those people that are receiving. So tonight, we've looked at this story in the last couple of months, um, I think maybe a couple of times, but I want to look at it again. And it's found in Matthew 14. And it's the story regarding Jesus walking on water and then Peter walking on water. And um, let's just start with verse 25. <clears throat> and I want to, I'm going to read through this from 25 to about verse 30. Three, I'm going to read through this, but, but I want to point out some things. You know, sometimes one, one of the good things about teaching is that you have to sit there and hear and listen, okay, that we do when, when we're listening to teaching. We're sitting there listening, and we're not talking, so we're more open to receive what's being said, and th- there's times when something is being preached that a point is brought out. You may know the story. You may have heard the story 500 times. But then a point is brought out that will change your life forever. That's the power of the word. That's what these kind of times are good. And I, I got a couple of really good things that I think you need to hear tonight. Amen? So, <clears throat> now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Well, actually, I mean, go back to verse 22 and let's just read the whole story. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He'd been preaching uh, just right on the edge of, of the Sea of Galilee. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat that he had sent his disciples in was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night... Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for what? Fear. Fear is a real issue. Fear is a real issue. In day-to-day issues and situations that we all face, fear is a major issue. And, And we've got to not just acknowledge that, we've got to understand it and deal with it the way he tells us to. So, they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them. Okay, so as we look at this story and the other story we're going to look at, 
Everything that is spoken to the disciples here is like the word being spoken to you. Jesus is speaking to them. So this is the word of God being spoken to them. And what does he say when there's fear? Be of good cheer. In other words, everything's going to be okay. It's me. And don't be afraid. In other words, from verses of Scripture, he's saying, listen, I haven't given you fear, but power, love, and a sound and a well-balanced mind. Now, they didn't have those Scriptures to turn to, but that's what he was saying in essence. There's no reason to fear. Do not be afraid. Everything's okay. It's me. I'm going to take care of it. And day to day, he's constantly talking to us like that through his word. But to the degree... To the degree that I allow the Word to speak to me, the promises to speak to me, versus being moved by circumstances or voices that are telling me something contrary, to that degree will I be on the receiving end of the things of God. Now watch, because the rest of this story explains to us what Jesus was trying to get over to him. Now, Jesus says... Everything's okay. It's me. Don't be afraid. And look what Peter says. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, how many times have any of you sitting in here prayed that little prayer like that? Lord, if you want me well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then show me what to do. Lord, if this is what you want, then send somebody to do this thing. Or, or kind of, in other words, fleecing God. Right? Well, when you fleece God, you get fleeced. <clears throat> so Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. What does that have to do with? Jesus didn't say, it's me, and if any of you got any guts, you know, you can come out here and walk with me and just say, you know, just say, raise your hand if you want to come walk. What is, if it's you, bid me to come? No, he's fleecing him. So what's Jesus going to say? No, it's not me. No, it's him, so he just said, come. It really wasn't God's will for him to walk on that water. But he said, if it's you, tell me to come. And he just, he didn't say, okay, that's a good idea for you to come. He just said, it's me, come. Because see, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And you can find things in Scripture that you want to say what you want it to say, but that's not necessarily God. And we find ourselves in trouble. And so he said that, and Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water. Everybody say, he walked. So, notice this. Notice this. When Peter had come down out of the water, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, everybody say he saw. Okay, we're talking about day-to-day experiences. So he saw the circumstances, the things that were going on. 
I mean, Jesus wasn't moved by the winds and the storm and all the things that were going on. He was just walking. He wasn't moved by that. But Peter was. He was moved by the circumstance, right? So it says, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was what? Afraid. Now, he had already told him not to be afraid. Jesus has already instructed us to not fear. All through the Old Testament, a lot through the book of Isaiah, he tells us to fear not. Only, only be confident. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And, and time and time again, he reveals to us there's no reason to fear. But he got moved by the circumstances and he began to be afraid, and then he began to sink. Now, you and I know that if Randy's choosing to step out and wanting to walk on water like Peter did, and he puts his foot out over a swimming pool, he doesn't just kind of go to his ankles and then to his knees and then to his hips down, he just goes, right? But day to day, like Peter, began to sink in degrees, and he cried out, and Jesus grabbed his hand. And one translation, or one one place in the Bible in, in a different translation says that they walked back to the boat. See, the benefit that the disciples had that we don't, the only benefit they had was they had him, and we have him through the word. Right? But when you see him as the word, what Peter did is he collected himself, got control of himself, Jesus, the living word, took his hand and led him back to the boat, and they got in the boat. Right? But Jesus makes this statement. He said, oh, you of little faith. He didn't say he didn't have faith. Are you hearing me tonight? He didn't say he didn't have faith. So, little faith is enough to walk on water. Never forget that statement. A little bit of faith is enough to walk on water. Anybody in here ever walked on water other than frozen water? I don't know anybody that has. I'm not saying we couldn't if it was God's will in a situation, absolutely. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay, so how do you break down? Okay, so there, here's a person that had faith and he had doubt. Or doubt came about because there hadn't been enough training in him to not be moved by the circumstances and be absolutely convinced of the promise. And I can promise you tonight, all of us in here 
we do, will, and, and at different times in our life, we'll continue to battle the faith and doubt issue. Jesus, I don't know, I, don't know, I probably preached this somewhere way back, but for a long time, Jesus was not upset with him. He was not upset with him. But the clock was ticking. They needed to get this. You understand? I'm saying to you today, <clears throat> the clock of time is it's ticking, but you have the rest of your life to develop your faith because the little faith is just the little development of faith. And what I mean about development of faith, faith that has not come to the place that I will not be moved by what I see. Now, if you take these principles right here, and you take this example, the, the, the sinking issue, okay, he began to sink. Um, <clears throat> the fear issue, the circumstance issue, if you take that and you apply it today, uh, to your day-to-day world, maybe one of these several here that I'm going to mention will speak to you, but I'm going to give you several present-day day-to-day issues that we're all faced with, and I want you to think about these principles and how they relate to you and I day-to-day. So, <clears throat> so you work, let's say you have a, a really good job and you work for someone else, and one day you walk in and the boss says, we don't need you anymore. What's the first thing that comes? Fear. Okay, well, for some people, I mean, and, and different levels of fear will come. It just depends on where you're at. Now, listen to me. You could have, the day before, you could have had this amazing victory by faith in God, and here's something else that crops up, and all of a sudden, wham, it grabs you right there. Fear. Now, what are you faced with? To choose to... Deal with the fear through the Word of God. Only the Word of God will deal with the fear. Not you trying to, oh, okay, everything will be okay. It'll it'll, it'll all be fine. No, no. Uh, God got me this job before I had this job. And greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God has my best interest because I'm His favorite. Things that I, you know, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not reading scriptures I've written down. I'm telling you what I think I would do in that situation. That's where it needs to come out of is in the, out of the inside of you so that you combat the circumstance by focusing on the promise. Amen. See, if Jesus just would have said, I can't see you, Jesus, but it sounds like you, but I believe it's you that there wouldn't have needed to be any water walking anything. He didn't need to walk on the water. I mean, what a, what a dumb comment. What a dumb comment. Lord, if it's you, just bid me to come out and walk on the water. For what? Jesus was coming there. He could tell where he was at. He knew they were in fear. He was coming to comfort them and tell them, it's me, everything's going to be okay, don't fear. That's it. It could have stopped right then. In a situation like a job like this, it can stop just like that when you put the word on it. Peter would have done that. 
There wouldn't have been any sinking because there wouldn't have been any water walking. There was no need. Or at least that's my perception. <clears throat> let's say that <clears throat> um, let's say that somebody maybe on the job or somewhere, I, I don't know, maybe somebody at church, and you heard that somebody said something about, about you, somebody said, did you, did you hear that so-and-so said this about you? And you're thinking, where did that come from? I never even thought that. There's a circumstance, all of a sudden fear grips you, and not only does fear grip you, but retaliation will grip you. I've got to get even over this. Who do these people think they are? Then you have to go back to what has God been speaking to you? If you've never heard any word before, if you've not put any word to work, there's no time like the present to begin to seek it out. That's why church life is good because you connect with people that believe the word. Maybe other people are a little more mature, been through things. They can help you through things like that. It's vital that we have all this information. And then all of a sudden, what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross comes out of the inside of you. God forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. They, they might have known what they were saying, but they don't know the results and how it's going to negatively affect their life to put their mouth on me. And, and Lord, I just forgive them. That may not even be true. I'm going to believe the best about them. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I shut that thing down and give it no place to operate. To the degree that you let circumstances like that continue to fester and and go over all, you know, in your mind, thoughts in every different direction will be to the, de the degree of how you continue to walk, whether you start sinking or you stand strong and you overcome. Can you say amen? <clears throat> um, let's say that all of a sudden, some financial things hit your life, and it's like there's not enough money to handle the everyday needs. Fear starts gripping. All of a sudden, in your natural mind, it, what will also happen is, i got to do something. i got to fix this thing. And I'm not saying being proactive is wrong, but what's better is putting the word on it getting the wisdom of God about what to do. Well, I'll just go get a part-time job. Sometimes that could be the worst thing you could do. But if you put the word on it, how would you put the word on it in that situation right there? My God has supplied all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank you for wisdom to know what to do. This is real. I'm faced with this. I'm not sure what to do. I'll do anything that you tell me to do, but I'm not jumping out and trying to make something happen. I'm going to be led by your spirit and do what you tell me to do. And every day you follow through. Listen, I've said this to you just lately a lot. You can believe something today but that doesn't guarantee you're going to believe in 30 days from now. What will determine whether we believe 30 days from now is if we continue in the Word, right? We continue with the Word, declaring and speaking at the circumstances and not letting the circumstances move us. That's what Peter did in his situation. 
But my gosh, you start reading about Peter's life in the book of Acts, and I mean, he got it. Can you say amen? I mean, he got it. He absolutely got it, and he continued on it for the rest of his life. He continued in the Word. He got it. Because <laughs> every time that you read about Peter, well, 98% of the time you read about Peter in the book of Acts and the things that he did or, or any of the disciples, man, they had the Word on it. They had the Word on it. Amen? Let's say that... Um, <clears throat> Um, let's say that you've been under, like you've been attacked with a lot of stress in your body. You've been under, you've, you felt like you've been under a lot of pressure and an attack. You're having difficulty sleeping at night, okay? And what the enemy wants to do is wear you out. Because if he can wear you out, then he can get you because if you get tired in your physical body, because you're not putting the word on situations, then you won't spend time praying and meditating on God's word. He wants you wore out. He wants you stressed out. But the Bible says in Proverbs 3 that he gives his beloved, I love that word, he gives his beloved, he loves you and I, we're his favorites. Amen? He gives his beloved sweet sleep. If you don't declare that over yourself every day, every night before you go to bed, you should. We've spoken it over ourselves and our family and people and uh, for years and years and years. I mean years. We've spoken it every day. Thank you, Father, for sweet sleep tonight as we lay our heads down. Amen? You should say it every day. And because his promises empower you in that sweet sleep, you'll wake up having rested with answers to the stressful issues that you face. That's, that's our God. That's being moved and focused on the promises, not on the circumstances. Amen? And, and why, would we, why do we preach something like this? Because there's tons of circumstances. The circumstances are not going away. In fact, they're increasing. But where those things increase, the grace and the mercy and the power of God increases that much more because it's already more than anything that would ever come against you, right? In, no, no matter whatever will come against you, you say, oh my gosh, what's go, what, what, what does the future hold, God? And if he's there, if he's in the future, then I want to be connected to him. And the only way to be connected to God is through his word. And if I'm connected to God through his word, then no matter what comes in the future, he's that much more. And wherever he is, I'm connected to that. No matter what. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> this, this is a well-known one, but what if the doctor said to you, you have cancer? It's a report. There's circumstances. They're declaring what all of their reports say, but we know this. There is a report in the natural, and then there's the report of the Lord. Yes. Amen? And the report of the Lord says that by the stripes of Jesus, that you and I were healed, not when we're well. We were healed 2,000 years ago. Amen. If we were healed then, then we're healed now, and that's what we can receive. I didn't say that the circumstances aren't real. 
I'm saying we're not being moved by those, and we refuse to allow those circumstances to remain in our body. That's what we have to do. Listen to me. Little faith can overcome anything and everything that I just mentioned. Little faith can. But little faith will not cause you to sustain that. Because little faith can be talked out by doubt. Maybe this situation wasn't as big of a situation, but there will be a situation that will talk you out if you're not working on a daily basis. Listen, this is literally, in one sense, what we're talking about. It's a job. To be a doer of the Word is literally a job. I mean, the other things that you and I do, those are secondary. Because you're not going to be successful at the other things that you do if you're not successful at being a doer. The Bible says if you hear the word and you do nothing with the word, then you're walking in deception. I didn't say that. He said that. Right? The, uh, who said that? James said that. <clears throat> the, the letter of James uh, said that if you hear the word and yet you don't do anything with what you hear, then you're walking in deception thinking that well, you know, Pastor Burt said that, or this preacher said that, or this person, I listened to this podcast, and they said this, and this, and this, and all that's good, but you can think you believe what other people say, but if you're not doing it, you don't really believe it. You think you do, but you don't really believe it, because a belief system is where you're confident in this God that we're talking about that you can't see with the natural eye. That's why it has to be developed. It's not gonna, you're not going to quote a few scriptures and read a few little pieces of the Bible and everything's going to be transformed and changed. No. It's something you have to stay with because it's got to increase. Remember? You can believe today, but 30 days from now, if you want to still be believing, you better still be doing. That's our part. And, and you know what? It's not, a, it's, not, it's not legalism. It's not God putting this heavy thing on our life. He's giving us instructions about how to live this victorious life. It's victorious over everything I just mentioned and everything else that I didn't mention. Amen? Um, Another thing is this. If you're trying, anybody ever tried to either sell something or buy something, a house, a car, a whatever that I can think of. You're trying to sell something, buy something. And it's like it just, it's just not working. And you're moved by that and you're getting discouraged with it and like something's not going to happen and it's not going to, you know, it's, it's not going to manifest. Listen, there's so many scriptures that go with that and number one is timing. Because God has your best interest and he wants you to buy the right vehicle, house, whatever it would be. He wants you to sell what you're selling, but he's got the right buyer for it. And when you believe that, and you have faith and confidence that that God is in that, your job is every day to thank him, Lord, I thank you, this thing is sold now. Not today, by the end of the day, by 12 o'clock midnight. Don't put times on anything. But when you're in faith, everything is now. It's right now. So, Lord, I thank you that my house is sold now in the name of Jesus. 
I thank you that it is sold now. And, and, and as tomorrow comes and it, and it wasn't sold in the natural, what your words are doing are lining everything up and preparing everything to happen in his time. He's got the time and he's not a day late nor a dollar short for anything. It may not be on your timetable. And that's where we get antsy and we try to make things happen. I'm just telling you right now, it's best not to try to make stuff happen. And that's in my next story. <clears throat> you don't want to make things happen. You don't want to try to step ahead of God and make something happen. Amen? So, as I said, my next story. Romans 4. <clears throat> and I, I wanna, I'm going to make a point that I don't think I've ever made before. And uh, about this story, this isn't as long as the last one, but Romans 4 and verse 17. <clears throat> and I'm going to read two verses, I'm going to stop and make a point, and then we'll finish it. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, talking about Abraham. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, that's us, and not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb, who was about 90 years old. So, I'm going to go back and read this again, but I want to make a couple of points about this, this uh, amazing testimonial of Abraham's life. Because if you go to the Old Testament, and you start reading in Genesis chapter 12, and you read for about five or six or seven chapters that talk about his life. Um. God told him, God said what he was going to do with him and his descendants and all these things. And, and uh, God told him to leave his home and to go to a place that God would show him. And uh, he said, leave everybody. And he took Lot with him, which is a huge mistake. When God says, just go and take your family, don't let the extended family come along with you if God didn't tell you to bring them. Because it can create all kinds of issues. And it did. But that's not my point. So he takes Lot and Sarah with him, <clears throat> and uh, there was a famine in the land, and they go into Egypt, and uh, the Pharaoh of that day actually had, had some, so he, he wasn't a saint, but he had some God-fearing traits about him, this Pharaoh did. And, um, and so they're going in, and all of a sudden, as they're, as they're about to get into Egypt, uh, Abraham tells his wife, you know what, I'm afraid Everybody say afraid. afraid. I'm afraid that they might kill me and take you, and the Pharaoh take you for his, his mistress. And so let's tell them that you're my sister. And so they go through the motions and all this kind of stuff, and the Pharaoh, Sarah is a beautiful woman, and Pharaoh's drawn to her and thinking maybe he'll make her his wife. And then he finds out that Abraham lied, and it's actually his wife. And he comes, to Pharaoh, uh, he comes to Abraham, and he says, what have you done? He said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me 
that she was your wife. In other words, what does fear do? It makes you do some stupid things and think of things that are not true. That really wasn't true. They really weren't going to take his life. But he got it built up in his mind, and that's what fear does, because it says he was afraid. Fear will cause you and I to do crazy things. Then, about 10 years later, when they are supposed to be producing a child, but listen, when, when you're constantly in fear, and you're a, and you're, you're a liar, okay, because you're lying, a, a person that lies is a liar. So if, you, if you've ever lied, then you were a liar in that instance, okay? You lied. And he lied, and so that kind of person can't be trusted. So why are things going along and not manifesting in his life? Because he's got some things that need to be worked out. And then, then, Abraham, Adam-like, lets his wife convince him to have an, have an adulterous affair with her, with her maid. It says, Sarah convinced him to have this relation trying to get a child. And you know what it says? It says, he agreed. And a lot of times, I think Sarah's gotten a bad rap on that deal. Yeah, she was trying to make things happen, but all it showed was they weren't in a position to be father and mother of the nations. They needed some things worked out. Number one, you can't let anybody affect you and cause you to do something that is sin in God's eyes. And he, was, he allowed his wife to do that. You can say, well, yeah, she, she, listen, it was just an idea. He could have said, you know what? That's nuts. Shut it down. We're believing God. And the more we practice the word, that's what our responses are when situations like that arise. Now, we fast forward it, talking about Abraham after 24 years. Okay, that's what he's talking about right here. So after 24 years, in the 25th year, Sarah's been barren all of her life. He's 100 years old, impossible to do just in the natural, and it happens. Why? Because of this. Verse 17, he called those things which be not as though they were. In other words, he started calling himself father of nations with no child. That's what he started doing. And 10 months later, they have a child who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, what he spoke. So shall your your descendants be. And Not being weak in faith, what did he do? He did not consider the circumstances. Peter did. The list of things that I gave you, if you considered the circumstances, then things get prolonged because we're not receiving. Now listen, you can always make something happen. Sounds like a song. Make something happen. 
Anyway, you can always make something happen. Always. You can always force the issue if you want it your way. But there's God's way. I said there's God's way. I'm going to say it one more time. There is God's way. And there's one way for you, and what it takes is a faith that doesn't doubt. And that has to be developed from one situation to the next situation to the next set of circumstances to the next, and we can't ever quit so that we don't get results today, and six months from now, it's like God forgot our number doesn't mean with the next set of circumstances it could take a season because you're developing the same faith maybe that you developed in healing over here. You're having to develop it for the peace of God to rule in your heart for whatever reason. I don't know, but God does. And if you just keep these principles I'm talking about tonight and you keep them in force on a day-to-day basis, there, there's no end to what, what you and I can receive from God. He wants you to receive more than you want to. But faith and doubt won't get the ultimate manifestations that we're desiring to see from God. Faith and doubt won't. But anytime you're you're stepping out to walk in faith, you're going to deal with doubt. Every single time. He said, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. Everybody say fully. How long did it take him? 24 years. 24 years to see the manifestation. How many? 24 years. Ah, man, I've only been doing it for five, so it's going to take me. No, no, that's just what it took. I'm just saying. It didn't didn't have to take another day once you get it in your heart about what you're believing God for. But 24 years later, he got it at 100 years old. Yeah, but man, he could have enjoyed all this at 75 and, you know, lived a a flourishing life. Listen, with God, it doesn't matter just as long as we get it. No matter where we're at, what we're doing. He said, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Can you say amen tonight? How do you get fully convinced that God is able to do it? By what I was telling you tonight. That as Peter, when God is speaking to you, listen to what he's saying process it, and put it to work. And where you see doubt, Lord, if it's you, no, 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 no. You can know if it's him based on what his word is saying and what his spirit is revealing to you. Because the spirit of God reveals the truth for every situation. And God wants you and I to know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that comes day to day and never quitting. He said, if you don't quit, you reap. But you cannot effectively receive the promise of God. I'm, I'm talking about God's way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to you like that's what I'm telling you or I'm telling somebody specific that you can't receive or whatever. I'm saying 
God set it up a certain way, and it's got to be done His way or it won't work. And His way is to hear, to meditate, to process it, to download it down on the inside of you. And as you're, you're downloading it, in the process of downloading, it's because you're speaking it and becoming familiar with it. And, and so, like, if, like I said, like if the boss tells you, you know, we don't need you anymore, God does. <laughs> God needs you. And the job he found you when you got that one, he's got a better one for you somewhere else. Maybe he'll tell you to start a business. Maybe he'll tell you to do something different. But whatever God's got for you, it will manifest because your faith is in him and not in what someone else can do for you. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're not going to be gripped with fear. You know what? <clears throat> if fear didn't come, there may be something wrong with you. Fear's going to come. But that's not from God. The enemy knows you're a threat to him, and that's why he comes after you. God hasn't given me fear. Power, love, a sound, a well-balanced mind. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. What I say in every situation, I overcome in those situations. God set it up that way. How many believe that tonight? I'm telling you, tonight, I just really believe that you, every one of you, at the sound of my voice, is taking the challenge to address every circumstance that goes contrary to what the promise has for you. Amen. And when you address that, and you resist that, and you let it know, and you put it in its place, man, all that God has for you will come your way. Amen? Day to day to day.